What's going on in the residential real estate market in Metro Atlanta, especially over the last seven days? Will forbearance, foreclosures, tank the real estate market after the forbearance period is over? And how do you avoid paying taxes when selling an investment property? We've got that and more. My name is Cleve Gaddis, and you're listening to Your Move Atlanta, where we help listeners go from real estate novices to experts so home selling and buying can be done with total confidence and without the worry that typically goes with one of life's biggest investments. And we want to communicate with you. We want to talk to you. We want to be friends. Go to yourmoveatlanta.com, Y-O-U-R-M-O-V-E, atlanta.com. One more time, yourmoveatlanta.com, Y-O-U-R-M-O-V-E, atlanta.com. Ask questions, make comments, push back, or challenge anything you hear on the show. Share ideas, especially if you have ideas for segments we ought to have on this show. YourMoveAtlanta.com is where to do that. Also, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, and we'd love for you to be a subscriber, you can do that at YourMoveAtlanta.com. I've got Alfie back in the studio with me for the first time in the last three months. Yeah, probably so. Three months or so. Yeah. Welcome back, sir. Hello. Glad to be back, uh, Cleve, here in the new Cleve Gaddis Worldwide Studios out of your offices here in... You like it? Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice little facility. It's really right here. nice, it's isn't it? Up, right? it's, yep. it? You know, it needs a little decorating because the walls are bare. And yeah, that's true. You need to put some pictures up of us on the walls. That's true. You want to put pictures of you up on the walls? I think there should be a few <laughs> up there of me on the walls. <laughs> hey, let's jump into Alfie. We've got some numbers, and I know these are your favorite things that we discuss. But we've got the Atlanta real estate market, just residential real estate market, just in the last seven days. Just seven days. One more than six. One less than eight. Just seven days, Alfie. There's been two thousand one hundred. 177 new listings. That's a ton of listings for a week. What is that? That is 300 a day. That's 300 homes in Metro Atlanta being listed every day. 1,562 had a price decrease. That means whoever's selling the house felt like they couldn't get what they were asking for it, so they dropped the price. Could be some opportunities out there for buyers in that regard. 2,035 homes went under contract. That's also 300 a day. For seven days, Alfie, 2,035, and we had 1,992 closings, and I don't know if you've noticed, but that number has been hovering around that 2,000 closings per week, so I would say that the Metro Atlanta real estate market is very strong, so for those of you out there who thought that your plans for selling and buying another home, especially before the school season started or whatever whatever your plans were, if you think they were shut down by the coronavirus, the reality is... The market actually might be a little bit stronger than you think. So don't be afraid to jump in. And if you want to ask us some questions about whether or not it makes sense for you to move forward in some kind of reasonable time frame, reach out to us, yourmoveatlanta.com, Y-O-U-R-M-O-V-E, atlanta.com. Just click on Contact Us. You don't have to worry about your message going to anyone else. It comes directly to me, and I'll be happy to answer your questions. If you're out there and you think about all of the mortgages that are in forbearance, Now, forbearance, for those who are unfamiliar with the term, means the mortgage company has postponed or has delayed or has deferred payments. So, for example, somebody could have asked for a forbearance in the month of March and asked to make no payment in April, May, and June, and then in July, the payment would start over again, and they would either take those three months' worth of payment and somebody would pay it all back after 90 days, or maybe they would add it to the end of the loan But there's a lot of people out there who are worried, oh my gosh, 
when all of these loans, when the forbearance periods are over, and Alfie, tell me if this makes sense to you, there could be a lot of foreclosures because there could be a lot of people who are not able to make the payment. Have you thought about that at all, Alfie? I, I mean, I know a lot of people are going through some very difficult times right now, especially with the way the job market is right now yep. and, and people out of work and, you know, and I know there's a lot of government assistance out there. Some people are still waiting for checks to come in yes. uh, from the stimulus package. Yep. Uh, and uh, some businesses, uh, you know, are still waiting for some of their government help as well, especially That's a lot right. of these small businesses. So. I can understand there being a lot of foreclosures, not only on on rental properties and homes, but also a lot of business properties as well. So it makes sense for people to be nervous that the forbearance program might turn into foreclosures and that might negatively affect the market. Now, I've got some interesting information about the probability of us having a foreclosure crisis as a result of the forbearance program. Oh, man. Now, this is an article from Inman News, and the numbers, by the way, are really, really big. As of the end of April, 4.25 million homeowners were in forbearance. 4.25 million, but, Alfie, only 3.6 million were past due on their payments, which means... 650,000 people had applied for and were granted forbearance, but were still making their payments. Now, that's first very interesting. You wouldn't think somebody would apply for forbearance and then make their payments. Right. 650,000 people did just that. And I think it's because maybe they had a little more money than they thought. Now, let's take a look. There's a total of 4.66 million Homes currently in forbearance. The greatest number of those loans are owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, the two big government entities you hear us talk about on the show all the time, or they're insured by the Federal Housing Administration, FHA, or the Veterans Administration, VA, in the U.S. So the overwhelming majority of loans that are in forbearance are government loans. So that's 8.8% for those of you who are out there who are statistics gurus. That's 8.8% of all residential mortgages that are currently in forbearance. Less than 10%. 4.6 million, I would have thought it was maybe a little bit more than 8%, like 20% or 30% or some number like that, but it's less than 10% of the mortgages are in forbearance. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But in order to understand whether or not we're going to have a foreclosure crisis, we have to understand the amount of equity that your average homeowner has in their home. And let's just cover these three categories very quickly. 9% or 420,000 homes in forbearance have less than 10% equity in their home. Those properties are considered to be at risk because if you had less than 10% equity in your home, when you sell your home, you might not have any equity at all. So Alfie, I think you can see that a borrower or a homeowner might just let the home go back to the bank, but that's less than 10%, 9%. Now, 12% of homeowners who are in forbearance have between 10 and 20% equity in their home. They consider that a gray area, but the reality is as people get more closer to 20% equity, for example, in a $300,000 home, that's $60,000, they're not just going to give $60,000 back to the bank. They're going to try to figure out how to keep that home. And listen to this, and this is what excites me the most and makes me feel comfortable that we're not going to get into a foreclosure crisis regardless of our forbearance period ending. Is it a full 80%, Alfie? I said 80% of the owners who are in forbearance have more than 20% equity in their homes. 
And for people who have more than 20% equity in their homes, they have a built-in incentive not to allow the home to turn into foreclosure. So if you started out at the beginning of the segment and you were nervous, I would say you should be optimistic about the future. Because the reality is, is the financials, the economics don't point to us having any type of crisis. If you're interested in selling your home, but you feel like the coronavirus crisis has made you stuck, or that it might force you to sell for less, or that it'll take too long, or you might miss your time frame, or something like that, the coronavirus, believe it or not, might have actually improved your chances of success. Let us show you how to get $28,000 more than what your neighbor sold their house for. Yeah, let me say that again. $28,000 more than what your neighbor sold their house for and make your timing work out perfectly. And Gaddis Partners, REMAX Center, we can ensure the entire process is safe for you and everyone involved in the process. Just visit yourmoveatlanta.com, Y-O-U-R-M-O-V-E, Atlanta.com, and click on $28,000 more to unlock your home's full value and make timing a non-issue. But be careful. Don't click unless you absolutely want to sell your home for $28,000 more than your neighbor. Again, it's yourmoveatlanta.com, Y-O-U-R-M-O-V-E, atlanta.com, and click on $28,000 more. Are you mad about paying Uncle Sam any more than necessary? Alfie, I don't know about you, but if you had your opportunity to choose pay only the taxes that are absolutely positively necessary or pay more, uh, I think I would pay what is absolutely necessary. And if you could figure out a way to pay less than what was necessary without getting in trouble, yes. you would probably do that too. If there was That's a way what that, I would do. Hey, listen, if there's a way that I could get some extra cash in my pocket from doing a couple of things here and there, I'd, hey, it's, it, it, and if it's, hey, as long as it's legal. And the it's truth good. is, is that everybody out there is in your same situation. They don't really, don't really want to pay <laughs> any more taxes. Right. Well, I mean, you got two boys. I mean, yeah. you have, it is, trust me, I don't care how much money you make, it's hard to make it up money to cover all the expenses because those two little dudes they just continue uh, to cons- consume t- and they're not consuming in a bad way but it's mm-hmm. expensive well i mean to have a family any, anytime you get it yeah any, if i can make myself an extra 50 75 to 100 dollars by you know doing something that's legally yes. allowed by the tax system yes i mean why would i not want to but do in that? some cases when people do a real they sell a real estate property and they've owned it for years maybe they have two hundred thousand dollars in capital gains and they might pay 50 or $75,000 in taxes, Alfie. $50,000 or $75,000 in taxes. So we got a question from Carolyn in Savannah. She says, we want to do an exchange of investment property incoming for property in Savannah. We have a fiduciary already. What do we need to do with the paperwork on the front end? And I assume she means by the front end, Alfie, what do we do with the paperwork on the home sale incoming? So the 1031-1031 references the, the code section of the Internal Revenue Code. Okay. So Section 1031 allows an investor to do a like-kind exchange and pay no taxes. Now, we're not going to go into the history of how all this worked. There was a guy named Starker, and he sued the government, and he won. And by the way, one of the intermediary services is called Starker Services, named after Starker, who sued the Department of Treasury and won, I believe. But what, what they determined or what was allowed was, if I own, for example, a residential investment property, then I can take one investment property and I could literally exchange it. So if you owned an investment property, Alfie, and I owned an investment property and we decided that the value was the same so we could exchange them, you could give me the title to yours and I could give you the title to mine. 
and there would be no tax consequences whatsoever. So it'd be just a basic even exchange. Yeah, like a wash. It's called a like kind, and it would be considered an even exchange. That okay. is a great way to have said that. So what Starker wanted to do is he wanted to sell a property, give the money to somebody else, and, and then take that money and buy another property and basically exchange the two properties with one person in the middle. But he never touched the money. The government says, no, you can't do that. He sues him. The government says, okay, you can do that. So what Carolyn wants to do is she wants to sell her property in Cumming. She wants to assign her ownership interest in the property. Now, follow this now. That's a little squirrely here. She wants to assign her ownership interest to what's called an intermediary. And let's just say the intermediary is ABC Intermediary Company. So she takes the title to her property. She basically assigns the right to sell the property to ABC Intermediary, who sells the property to the buyer and keeps the proceeds on Carolyn's behalf for her benefit. Okay. Are you confused? Or are you still with me? You're I'm, looking I'm, at me like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm lost. Okay. I'm with you. So Carolyn then has 45 days, and I'm going to give you one example of a way to do an exchange. There's three or four different ways, and we'll cover the other three or four on another show. Carolyn has 45 days to go out and, and identify up to three replacement properties. So she can go identify up to three properties that the intermediary now who's got her money will go buy on her behalf and then exchange the title to her. So see, Carolyn never touches the money. And so it's a like-kind exchange, even though she sells it, has the money, she doesn't touch it. An intermediary uses the money to buy the property. So 45 days to go out and identify up to three properties. The reason they let you identify up to three is because maybe a couple of them don't work out and you can't get them closed in time. And you only have 180 days from the day you close on the relinquished property, the property incoming. She only has 180 days, 45 days to identify up to three, and then the remainder of the 180-day period to get it closed. Now, does she have to find the three homes all at once, or can she She go has to, to identify all three of them together, because okay, they so go on one form that you actually send to the IRS, and that's a good question. So, so, so when she goes to ABC and says, here are the properties, she has to present all three of them together. Yeah, she puts okay. it on a form and gotcha. gives it to the IRS. They, they give it to the IRS. And then as long as she closes on one of those three, and she does it within the right time frames, and she never touches the money, then it is a qualified exchange. And she takes, listen to this, Alfie, any tax obligation she has on the relinquished property incoming, and she rolls it all over. So let's just say she had $200,000 worth of profit, and she was going to pay. Remember the example of $75,000? I don't know if that's right or wrong. When you sell a property that's been depreciated, you pay 25% recoupment cost, recoupment tax to the IRS. So $75,000 tax on a $200,000 gain might be right. So if she had $200,000 worth of gains and she had to pay $75,000 in taxes, that only leaves her $125,000 to invest in her new property. Gotcha. Yes. All and right. if that new property gives her 10,000, 10% per year, she's making 12,500 per year. Oh. Right? Okay, yeah. But hold on. All right. If she has the 75,000 in tax that she doesn't pay, now she's got 200,000 to put in her investment property which means at a 10% return, she's making $20,000 a year because she's getting the benefit of getting the return on the money she should have paid to the government. Gotcha. Isn't so, that strong? Wow. Now, Carolyn's question, though, was specific, and I've talked all around it, and I apologize for those who are saying, well, answer her question, Cleve. <laughs> her question was, what do we need to do on the front end? And really, the answer is, 
there is a special stipulation, which is SS508, which was written by the Georgia Association of Realtors, and it basically says that the seller may elect to utilize an IRC, Internal Revenue Code, Section 1031 Tax Deferred Exchange, where the proceeds from this property are exchanged into another one, and it basically gets the buyer of the property to agree to sign any amendments, any paperwork, any anything. And so your real estate agent, and Carolyn, if you need some specific help with that, yourmoveatlanta.com, Y-O-U-R-M-O-V-E, atlanta.com, is where you go. Again, yourmoveatlanta.com, and we can certainly help you. I used to actually teach classes and teach people how to do 1031 exchanges, and it's really fascinating, Alfie, uh, how the government gives very specific benefits to investors to encourage them to continue to invest. So, Carolyn, hopefully that answers all of your questions. If you wanted to sell your home, but you feel stuck, the coronavirus crisis, and you feel like the coronavirus crisis might force you to sell for less or that it'll take too long, or you might miss your time frame, the coronavirus, believe it or not, might have actually improved your chances for success because it reduced the amount of inventory on the market. Let us show you how to get $28,000. You heard that right. $28,000 more than what your neighbor sold their home for. And let us also show you how to make your timing work out perfectly. And believe it or not, we have protocols in place to help you and your family stay safe during the process. Visit yourmoveatlanta.com, Y-O-U-R-M-O-V-E, atlanta.com. Click on $28,000 more to unlock your home's full value and make timing a non-issue. But be careful, though. Don't click on that link unless you absolutely want to sell your home for $28,000 more than your neighbors. Again, yourmoveatlanta.com and click on $28,000 more. Atlanta, if you like what you're hearing, go to yourmoveatlanta.com and subscribe and recommend the podcast to family and friends. Again, this is Your Move Atlanta, where we help listeners go from real estate novices to experts so home selling and buying can be done with total confidence. 